glad you could join us for episode 139 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. Tonight, we're going to discuss episode 16 of season two, entitled Exposure. But as always, before we get to that, we want to both remind you that we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab and you can record your own audio clips and the MP3 is an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch and we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't spend at least a minute or two talking about the last day the last couple days the last couple days snowmageddon uh, snowmageddon too uh <laughs> you know it's funny uh, wayne and i are on the east coast here in maryland as we've said many times i'm in a town called westminster for you 12 monkeys fans that's point zero of the epidemic that wiped out 90 percent of the earth's population but hey and then wayne obviously grew up in this area <laughs> and, and is still close by but uh, up here, we got 28 inches. Yeah, I think we had 30-some here, but yeah, I was feeling every every one of those 30 inches yesterday, <laughs> just trying to get the get myself and others dug out. Oh, my goodness. And, and you know, it's like everybody, you, you pretty much have to have a snowblower these days, so it would seem. And, and obviously, you were saying that you were, the, you were the good Samaritan and went and helped out everybody in your neighborhood, so... Yeah, no one else has one. I'm like, come on, people. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and, and it's, again, it, it's, we didn't used to get this much snow, it, it seems, and whether it's, you know, global warming, El Nino, which is what they're claiming this year, it's uh, to be expected, but uh, coming off those two 20-plus snowstorms that were like a day apart back in 2010, Yeah, uh, you know, I mean... This was bad. There's no question, but got to give Baltimore Gas and Electric props, man. No, hardly anybody lost power. Yeah, I don't know how much because, like, you know, before the storm, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm worried. I'm worried. I, I don't know. I just want to keep power. I just want." I'm like, when have we ever lost power? Like in my 45 years of existence, we have not once lost power during a snowstorm. I'm like all of a sudden this year, everyone's worried about losing power. I'm like, what? why like have you lost power before is there any basis for this this fear you know but well, there uh, is they, for me i mean we lost it for 24 hours plus twice in the they, nine years we've been in this house but is it was that during snowstorm yeah uh-huh oh okay yeah, both times so then so i stay corrected well i i think what happened after 2010 when when they did have a lot of outages i i think bg and e just must have gone in and said look these trees are coming down. They're causing the problems. And whatever it is they did, uh, you know, kudos to them because uh-huh. we kept our power and lost our internet, though, as you know, for 18 hours. And, you know, and since I don't have a smartphone, totally disconnected. Although we did have TV. Right. Well, but, at least you got that. Yeah. But you know what I did? Dude, I got a book. I got a book out of my bookcase. <laughs> nice. And, right. and well, you're, so you're, I'm not a big foundation, right? Yeah, uh, I think you're a a bigger reader than I am. But the reading I do, I do on my nook. But I don't know what it was. I grabbed Foundation and, you know, I've read it 
in the past, probably 25 years. Have you read the Foundation series? Yeah, yeah. But um, did I ever tell you what I did reading the Foundation series? No. All right, so I read – my dad, when I was a kid, got me all three books, and I, it took a while before I got around to reading them. So I read Foundation, and then I read Second Foundation next because I thought the word second's in it. I'm thinking like a – contemporary american movie goer <laughs> like the second book or the second movie is going to have the word second in it and uh and that's actually the third in the trilogy and there's actually quite you know which uh, foundation and empire which is the middle one you know basically the, this you know the the big spoiler at the end was completely spoiled for me the whole way because i'd read the third book first already and everything, wow. so. well was well, as, as i understand it hbo is developing a series and the last name is Nolan, but it's not Christopher Nolan. I'm not sure. Is it his brother? I don't do you, know. Do you know? Does he have a brother? But but he anyway, might. that that canceled. Well, okay. Well, anyway, this, so you know, it's in development, but it, it's really really good. I'm like, oh man, I should have reread this sooner. So so we'll see now that I have the internet back. Right. <laughs> uh, this is a really good book, so like the, it is. the foundation series. And it's just, it draws you right in. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more in depth about it some other time. But uh, yeah, it really is a good book. So, and, and it's not all that long, only about 225 pages. Right. So, well, we've got a lot going on, as we, as we always say in, in TV. And, you know, there there is some news that I just wanted to touch on. I know you're not watching Colony, right? No. With uh, Josh Josh Holloway, but it did much better with its second episode, Brave New World, that aired on USA Network Thursday, January 21st. 1.26 million viewers, a 0.4 rating in the 18 to 49 bracket. And the pilot's numbers, I guess, were somewhat skewed since it aired online weeks before it debuted on the network, so it's hard to tell. But one I haven't seen yet, I'm guessing you did see, Legends of Tomorrow? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, that's kind of a lukewarm. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't spectacular, and you know it's it, the um, you know the the Avengers or Justice League model for a TV show. I think sometimes like that's like my problem with Arrow, and um, that they're just bringing in all these other characters and they kind of dilute the story a little bit. You know, so it was good. I mean, the concept is interesting. Arthur Darville is great. Uh, it's awesome to see him back on television. Um, you know, it's basically they're trying to defeat the bad guy who was from the, uh, you know, the fall finale of Arrow. And uh, so, you know, Arthur Darvel is a, he's not a time lord, but some, basically, you know, a, a time something that, that, you know, he's basically like Doctor Who, where he goes back in time to assemble this team to, to defeat this baddie. And it's, you know, like, Mr. Freeze and Hawk Girl and Hawk Man and uh, the Adam and, and and some of them are of uh, dubious moral quality. Is that fair? Yeah, because you got the two <clears throat> the two guys like Mr. Freeze, which is the guy who is um, on Breakout or whatever. He, he's the, been a bad guy on the Flash uh, a couple times, and then his like buddy, criminal buddy, who I know has been on the Flash, but I can't really remember who he was or what his deal is. I think he's got like heat ray. Maybe I don't know. 
So yeah, two of them are just flat out criminals and basically they're only on board because they think by going into the past that they can like better steal stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you got like the Adam who wants to do it because he doesn't want to be insignificant. Like he, you know, when they find out from Arthur Darville that they are, none of these people are remembered in the future that they didn't make their mark. And, you know, for Ray Palmer, that's a problem. You know, Black Canary is there. I, I, don't, I can't remember why she's there. But I think just to get out of town for a little bit, you know. So, I don't know. It's interesting. What did really well, 3.21 million viewers, a 1.2 in the 18 to 49 demo. So, encouraging there. But perhaps the biggest news, I'm not sure if you heard about this yet or not, but Doctor Who News, BBC's official Twitter account for the show, confirmed that Stephen Moffat is stepping yeah. down as showrunner. But his last season will be the yet-to-air season 10, which BBC's decide to hold back until spring of 2017. So it's going to be a while. Chris Chibnall, creator of Broadchurch, is going to begin season 11, or rather series 11, in 2018 and step in in the showrunner's role. And he says, it feels odd to be talking about leaving when I'm just starting work on scripts for season 10, Moffat told the Radio Times. But the fact is my timey-wimey is running out. And while Chris is doing his last run of Broadchurch, I'll be finishing up on the best job in the universe and keeping the TARDIS warm for him. So uh, we got a ways to wait. It looks like we're only going to get one episode in 2016, right? The Christmas episode. Yeah. I just thought that there their rationale for why they're waiting so long was kind of like basically saying, well, we got the Olympics next year. You know, I don't know if we can do the Olympics and Dr. Who in the same year. So we're going to put off Dr. It's like, really? It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. It sounds like something Fox would have done back in the day. All right. So I know you didn't watch the X-Files last night as it returns for season 10 in this abbreviated six episode season and it's like you would think you've got arguably the most iconic sci-fi tv series ever and and i say arguably there there's a lot that that could be considered but you're bringing it back to a lot of fanfare and you put it on after the nfc championship game so at best the game ended a little after 10 Apparently, the Baltimore Fox affiliate did better by its viewers than a lot of affiliates because it aired it at 1025. Some East Coast stations ran their local news, and it didn't end up airing until after 11. I mean, oh, my God, that would have driven me crazy, even though we knew we didn't have to go to work today because of the snow, but still. Yeah, that's... yeah. uh, well, you know, Fox. I guess, yeah. <laughs> as I posted in the Facebook group, maybe they thought they were airing Firefly back in 2002. Right. Nice. Uh, anyway, nice. well, or Terra yeah. Nova, or well, know, just the the way they abused it, it, the airing schedule. I mean, that was, I mean, one of the big problems with Firefly. Yeah, it was funny because, right. <laughs> um, you know, my wife was like, hey, you want to watch X-Files? I'm like, well, Joe, you know, we watched season one. And I think there were like nine other seasons after that that we, uh, you know, we probably need to get caught up on a little bit. So that would be a no. <laughs> right. All right. Well, listen, why don't we get into Dark Angel? But before we get into it, as we said last week, this is going to be our last Dark Angel for a while because 
Lost Girl is returning to Sci-Fi US February 1st. So our next podcast here on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch will be to do episode nine of season five, which is obviously the last season of Lost Girl. So I'm looking forward to it. I've seen it. You haven't, but. Yeah, no, de- definitely looking forward to it. So, you know, we've been with this thing for a while now and uh, I've done a lot of Lost Girl and, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, but. Yeah, like I said, at least they get to go out kind of, you know, on their own terms and, you know, they to plan out a finale rather than just have the series canceled, you know, while you're still, you know, unable to really come up with a uh, satisfying conclusion to it. So, yeah. And and they got 16 episodes. So, you know, there's really no excuse for the showrunners to not have told the story they wanted to tell and end it the way they wanted to end it. So. All right. All right. Well, we are here with episode 16 of season two, Exposure, written by Moira Curla Decker, directed by Stephen Williams. So the A-team again aired March 22nd, 2002. You know, the one the woman that played the priestess for the the breeding cult was certainly familiar. And I, I forgot to look up her name, but obviously Callum Keith Rennie as the sheriff. We all know from Battlestar Galactica as uh, Cylon number two. Uh, he was, yeah. No, he, was, he, was, he just he was, you know that I know that I know I know that dude. Yeah. You know, um, he was in the killing the firm, which I never watched. Uh, saw the movie, of course, and then Californication for a number of episodes, which was with David Duchovny, and is a, uh, you know, one of those guilty pleasure, nice half hour, inappropriate for the teens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so. All right, well, let's get into this episode. You know, when we were talking earlier, I said, ah, pretty good one. And you were like, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> there there were just a lot of kind of cliche type things going on in this one that, uh, you know, that I wasn't necessarily on board with. I still liked it. It was still pretty good. But, you know, it didn't feel as, like, I didn't like it as much as the previous one. See, that, Which that's I know why you we're didn't like the previous one. That exactly, that's why we're such a good <laughs> broadcasting team. It's like we, we rarely agree. Um, you know, I, I obviously have been waiting to get back to some of the mythology stuff, particularly with the breeding cult. So, so we got back to that. I loved the line Wendy White asks her husband just before he strangles her, "Who are you people?" And yeah. I mean, that is still kind of a salient question because, okay, fine, we know he's part of the breeding cult. Really? Who are you people? I mean, what are you trying to do? Is it yeah. are you just trying to create a yeah. master race? I guess. Yeah. Well, we're, even at the end of this episode, we are still asking that same question, right? Yeah. Because even though a lot is revealed, everything that gets revealed seems to only lead to more questions. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things I think it's fair to say is that we do have verification that Ames White does have two separate agendas going, right? Capture transgenics, which I don't think has anything to do with the breeding cult, right? Yeah, I mean, at that least seems seem to be to. just like, yeah, it's like his kind of personal obsession, I guess, you know? Like even the yeah. director's like, dude, let go of the transgenics. <laughs> you know? Like that's not the big issue here. All right. Well, I think the one thing we do see is that we do seem to have some verification that Ames White does have two separate agendas going. 
um, capturing the transgenics and then whatever is going on in his breeding program because there doesn't seem to be any connection between the two, although maybe that's down the road. Yeah, well, we don't even know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It seems like uh, the two are are separate things. And like we said, you know, like the, the director told him, you know, basically you know lay off the transgenics man <laughs> you know like do your job your job is not to to capture transgenics and you know Ames he's right. just and, way he's just off the rails well he is and and uh, you know I'm I'm loving the character I mean you know obviously we've said many times it'd be nice to see Lydecker again and and since we both are not going to look on IMDb to find out if he's coming back. Uh, White's doing a nice job taking his place. It's just we need to see more White, at least in my opinion. But like we said, what the heck are they doing with this breeding program? Max infiltrates the school. And what do you think of the building where the school is housed? I thought it was pretty damn cool. Yeah, it was. It was cool. But, you know, it's like kind of like creepy and everything and gothic that you would expect a place like that to be like. Yeah. And and then he gets in, he finds uh, Ray White's room and there's that book that's got his name in the in, inside cover and it's, you know, some kind of dictionary it looks like hieroglyphs. So who heck, who the heck knows what that is or sure. you know, we may not, and we may not even find out. Uh, but the other thing is White's breeding group is well aware of Sandeman and his work related to transgenics. So, Again, whether we'll see any kind of overlap. Obviously, we've only got five episodes left. Right. So maybe this is something that was planned for season three. I know there are some articles out there, and and I'm sure some of our you know more active listeners you know know the story. But apparently, the the showrunners laid out what they would have done in season three. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like you know, unlike Lost Girl, um, you know, Dark Angel was cut down in its prime right so we're not necessarily going to see resolutions or answers by the end of season two here yeah so uh you know it makes me think whether or not sandeman had some kind of an alliance with the breeding cult at one point um you know so we'll see and then ray mentions the coming which is rather ominous Uh and and does sound like something out of lost girl for sure uh what's going to happen with ray uh, you know, now that he's with his aunt, but we get to see sketchy. I think I wrote sketchy off and we get to see him in a new light as he's honestly trying to better himself. At least that's what it seems. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny having just watched, uh, Hemlock Grove and his character on that show. I'm like, you know, he, he does like the kind of sincere, good hearted guy is like, he's really good at that, you know, like, cause it's like how he, what he did with sketchy in, in this episode was very much, I saw a lot of resemblance to the character he w- was uh, playing on Hemlock Grove. Yeah. And he really did a nice job. And, and certainly the writers did as well. We really feel sorry for him. I mean, he feels that transgenics are real. And if he can get a photo, then his life will have meaning. He will have done something meaningful and he's just not a bike messenger. And he even says that even though he instinctively knows that Alec and Max are so much more than he is, even though he really doesn't know what it is, you know, that's pretty sad that, that just a bike messenger and this will give me a chance to, to really do something. Yeah. You definitely uh, felt bad for him there. I think Cindy feels a little bit more bad for him than, than Alec does as they're 
uh, talking to him in Crash, and he's basically, yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm just a loser, and my life has no point. But, you know, to him, I would say, it's kind of, I think, like, Alex has kind of suggested, like, well, dude, there's other things you can do out there, you know? You don't have to go chasing after uh, transgenics, but, of course, you know, Sketchy feels like this is his calling, right? Well, right, and, and again, at least he's got a plan, and it mildly concerns Alec and Max, and then the well, it's sketch. What's he going to really find out? Right. Uh, and he gets the job as a freelance reporter. And he, as we said, he means to track down a manticore mutant. Uh, and then we see Wendy White call Logan asking for his help in getting her son back from her husband. And before he can get her location, we see White burst into the room, rip the phone out of the wall, and he's getting ready to kill her. And then it's like he claims he loved her. And I'm telling you, I mean, calling him a complex character is sort of ludicrous. Yeah, he, he is layers to him, and we don't know what his motivation is. Well, I mean, we kind of, we do, um, but yeah, like you know, this woman was his wife, and he just totally strangles her, you know. And I believe him when he says that he loved her. Yeah, and I th- and and he's even alluded to this before that it was more than just simply someone to give him a child that he could then enter into you know the breeding program cult but i don't know it'll be interesting on the other hand he didn't have any trouble killing her right right and you know also the fact that you know he's all in with this breeding program thing but when it looks like his son isn't going to make it, it it seems like he's having doubts about it right yeah, no question. And, and uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, really, that's the main storyline. Max and Logan trying to get to the bottom of Wendy White's call for help. And uh, obviously it leads them down the path with, with the breeding program. And, and and there were some good lines in this one. I mean, it was a little more serious than in the past, even with Sketch, because we do feel sorry for him feeling the way he feels. But Max finds the exposed film in the mini bar of Wendy White's motel room and he's kind of surprised about it and she says hey i watch i learn i steal sodas <laughs> she was sort of appalled that uh, a soda would cost ten dollars in a motel room right right but the photos are what turns out to be as you mentioned earlier the the gothic style buildings that turn out to be a boarding school at which the white son has been placed and obviously at this point we really don't know the extent of the school but it just gets creepier <laughs> the farther in the school we go yeah well like you got you know these kids walking through the center of town like a pack of zombies it's like does no one else see that this is a potential problem here well you know and, and with the sheriff uh played by callum keith rennie I, I i that was the beauty of his character because i think you know he says i watch out for this school and you assume he's on the payroll of the breeding program and it's, right. it's anything but so so i guess the rest of the town just thinks it's this really posh exclusive boarding school and you know we'll just leave them to themselves and you know that does not turn out to be the case with the sheriff after all right which um yeah i thought I, that was the one thing i i really liked what they did with that the sheriff character because you know obviously when we first meet him as you said we assume he's on board he seems very threatening and suspicious but Logan wins him over, right? Yeah, right away. Now, 
the director is pissed because white's men flushed out the transgenic into the open where it could be seen. And, and again, this is the director, I think, of that job that he's got. I don't think that director has anything to do with the breeding program. Right. And reminds him that his task is to find them, capture them, kill them. Don't care what you do. Just keep them out of the public eye. Right. Right. So, but that just seems to be secondary for white. I mean, it's almost as if his, his heart isn't in it or, or more accurately is his mind isn't in it because he's devoted to the breeding program. And certainly that's understandable. So maybe that job just pays the bills to keep the uh, breeding program going. Well, uh, also, I mean, it seems like part of the, the breeding program thing is capturing these transgenics and doing experiments on them or, or, you know, Cutting, or is that like the direct? I, see, that's see, this is where the crossover is. I'm I'm not sure of you know, like is like the committee is like this quasi government agency that you know wants him to go out and capture the transgenics and bring them in, uh, but then it also seems like with the breeding program that they're they have some kind of uh, experimentation going on with which is what we see at the end, right? Like. Well, yeah, and and like you said, I mean, I don't see a connection. Maybe I'm missing it between the two, and maybe it will end up being a connection. But at this point, I'm not sure it's been made clear. No, because you got the one which is, you know, guys in suits meeting clandestine places, and you know the the these people in robes and makeup and everything performing, you know, crazy rituals. Yeah, with blood, no question. Snake blood. Why is it got to yeah. be snakes? Why is it always snakes? Yeah, All right. I know. Well, I yeah, more on that later. Okay, so uh, so White's son calls him, and you know it, it's like your typical child at boarding school or at summer camp or whatever, calling mom or dad. You know, come get me. I don't want to be here. And. You know, he's reminded that parents aren't allowed to be there until it's finished. And, of course, at that point, we don't know what that means. Uh, we find out the school's called Brookridge Academy, but that really doesn't seem to have any kind of meaning outside of just, you know, an ordinary name right. to draw. As you said, it sounds posh, right? Sure, just to draw attention away from what they're really doing there. Uh-huh. So, all right, well, we see Max break into the school to retrieve Ray, but, you know, as she's moving about, she witnesses, like you mentioned, the ceremony, people in cloaks, chanting some unknown language, face paint, symbols, snakes, and, and it be- becomes pretty clear it's some sort of an initiation for the boys. And even Max, I mean, all the things that Max has seen through the years, she's really creeped out by it. Yeah, well, because it's, like super creepy. Right? Well, oh, wait, wait, I mean, mean, skinning the snake, draining its blood, branding the kid. That's creepy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I put together a little list of, uh, you know, secret society cliches, uh, ceremonial cliches. Right. Okay. So I, I think they pretty much hit everyone here. So, uh, robes, Check. Obviously, like they always are wearing robes for some reason. I, I'm not not exactly sure why. Some language that vaguely sounds like Latin, but isn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Snakes or other animal sacrifice. Uh, big, goofy-looking knives. Lots of blood, and finally, uh, torches in uh, metal braziers. 
Yeah, so, they, they pretty much uh, hit them all, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that was what I was talking about, like kind of my problem with this in the first place is that um, it's so like completely like cliche, like that, like the robes especially. Like, I just saw the robes and then the the face paint and everything. It's, you know, it's just like, you know, can't we have like a secret society meeting where people are just dressed in like jeans and T-shirts or something? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I, I think what was even more problematic for me, though, was that for the fourth week in a row, Max gets caught. Right. I mean, watching the ceremony from behind the curtain, one of the kids senses she's back there, and then, whoa, he's got telekinetic ability, pulls away the curtain, revealing her presence. I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then she gets, you know, a beatdown. Yeah, not cool that she got caught. Not cool that she yeah. got you know beaten up. Right. But uh, so Logan's been out there a while. I guess he feels like it's been too long. He's going to go get Max, but the sheriff catches him. And and still at this point, we're not sure what the sheriff's going to do. We we half expect the sheriff to you know drag him into the cult members in the robes, and uh, then the sheriff donning his robe. But uh, but of course that's not what happens. But then Max gets cut by one of the blades. And as the headmistress is on the phone with White, she tells him that Max was cut and should soon be feeling the effects. And White figures it's Max, and I think he even says her name, uh, her her number rather, and we, along with them, waits to see what's going to happen. And, and, you know, here's my prediction. I think this is what's going to end up killing the virus, bitch. Ah, I thought the exact same thing. And... I'm okay with that. That was cool. I like that right. if that's going to happen. And I like that they didn't address it in this episode. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure how they're going to figure out. And, you know, for, I mean, obviously with one touch uh, potentially killing Logan, they still like do a lot of stuff in proximity to one another. And, like a lot of action too that I just, I can't believe that in all this time, like she hasn't even just like brushed against him or something, you know? Yeah. I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's not an airborne virus and maybe they got clothing covering like the one scene where the, he's wearing gloves and okay. So, you know, we've got great scenes with uh sketch being detained by white's men. Uh, Max is in that cage at the school. And then that line, what are you looking at? You little freak. She asked the boy staring at her. And, you know, then speaking about Ray, if he's one of us, he'll live. So whatever they did to him, obviously they're seeing, is he worthy of that? And and even that, I guess, is, is kind of a, a trope that, that yeah. you could argue. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but that's okay. But they don't expect his son to survive the experience. And, and I started feeling sorry for White. You know, because he so badly wants his son to. I don't, I don't know if I would say feel sorry for. I mean, I, I I get that. Like we do, maybe sympathize with him a little bit because you know everyone can understand. You you know, guy who is concerned about his kid, right? We we get that. But uh, and, and I guess maybe when he goes to find Ray, is he thinking that he's going to steal him out of there as well? You know, I don't know. Like it seems like he's close to that idea. Well, I see, I guess I figured he, he needs to let it run its course. I mean, he's like the father or mother that you know, wants his kid to make the team. 
And if you pull your kid out of tryouts, they're not going to make the team. Yeah, but I think when they their dire prognosis for Ray maybe gets him to thinking that not all, you know that he he could he could die, and then he's I don't, it just I, I don't think he ever says anything per se, but it's, it seems like thinking that you know like reconsidering this whole this whole breeding program thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. More concerned with, with his son's health and well-being than being a member yeah. of the cult. That's what I meant to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Max pretends to be sick when she's in the cage and the kid gives her water. She gets out, but unfortunately for her, this is the kid with the telekinetic abilities and he sends her flying yeah. before holding her suspended in the air. That was pretty cool. You can't win, he tells her, but at least she learned how effective the technique can be. She flashes him. <laughs> right, he, which is the second week in a row that we had this kind of thing, uh, you know, using that as a distraction. And um, and it works but, every time. It's classic. Come on. Yeah, it, it is classic, especially because it's, you know, like a adolescent kid, you know, like obviously that's going to work on him. Max goes to the woman in charge, puts the chokehold on her, sweet dreams, bitch, and, and, you know, starts this whole process of trying to get Ray out. Turns out that the sheriff is a good guy after all, and Logan's explanation of the school gets him to return there where they find White holding a gun on Max, who's also holding Ray, and Logan, Max, the sheriff, and Ray all get away. And obviously now we're wondering, okay, fine, you got away. Now what are you going to do with Ray? Well, another cliche that he's got an aunt who's still alive of course right. he does which you would kind of, i mean granted like obviously he should be with family but also like i i hope that they you know like hide her or something because uh i'm sure white would you know probably the first place he'd go looking for ray would would be you know like the ant right right, right. Well, the breeding group's pretty concerned that Max seems unaffected by the serum, leading them to think Sandeman's project was further along than they thought. So, again, you know, what's the connection between the two and, and will we find it out in the final five episodes? But what it does make them realize is that they're going to start testing all the transgenics that they have in captivity and find out. Again, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to tell them, but... Right. Um, so, you know, I enjoyed this storyline and, and I'm really going to be disappointed if we go to episode 17, even though it's going to be a couple months down the road, if they just suddenly give us a standalone and, and ignore everything we just watched. But who knows? But the other minor story is, is of course, focused on Sketch, who now is a freelance reporter for a local tabloid. He starts in the sewers because that's where you would start, right? And uh, he, yeah, obviously. Uh, he eventually encounters White's men who are tracking a mutant and ends up getting photographs not only of the mutant, but unfortunately for him, also of White's men. And I guess he, like I think the viewer, think, all right, maybe he got away with it. But no, White's men know that Sketch was there, had a camera, and may have gotten off some shots. So we know they're going to track him down. See, here's my question about that. Because, like, all right, so he's uh, there with a camera. And you see him there with a camera, but you let him get away. And then later you decide you got to go find him. It's like, why didn't just someone at the 
point, there's like six or seven of those guys. Why didn't just one guy go and say, hey, give me that camera, right? Well, that's a good question. And at least they were observant enough to notice that he was wearing a jam pony gear. And that enabled them to uh, go talk to normal. I don't think any of us were surprised with how quickly normal gave up sketch to white's men. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, he's the he uh, normal does not like any hijinks or malfeasance in his presence. Right. And tells him, oh, yeah, he hangs out at crash. And of course, we cut to crash sketch is upset that none of his photos turned out because when he wasn't looking, Cindy exposed the film. And and again, you know, it's really nice that she knows. And, and I'd like to see the writers do more with her and the fact that she knows but I guess, again, there's only 43 minutes in an episode, so I guess they can't do too much. Right. Yeah, and that, that's, that's one of the things that wouldn't happen nowadays, right? There wouldn't be any film to expose. Exactly. Um, that would throw a big uh, kind of wrench in their, uh, well, in their plot. You'd, you'd steal the SD card. Right. But, you know, she says to Alec that he did, she didn't do it for him. She did it as a favor to Max. But it does seem as if maybe she's warming a little bit to Alec. I mean, realizes that he's not the guy that he was when we first encounter him. So, again, that that would be interesting to see. I'm not sure how much time we'll have. But finally, Sketch puts two and two together and figures out that if he really didn't see anything, then why is the government so concerned? And he's undeterred and like, yeah, go Sketch. Right, which is funny because he had allowed himself to be convinced that, you know, he was just chasing, you know, red herrings. Uh, when he gets, yeah, he gets pulled in by the government guys and that actually reaffirms his faith. Yeah, yeah. So you know, will he continue to do this? I hope. You know, it, it's a, it's a nice secondary storyline, and and I guess we'll see. But we do get to the closing. Ray wakes up and asks if he passed. Tells them he's got to be strong for the coming. Doesn't know what it is, but knows it's bad if you're not one of us. So they they give us a whole boatload of questions there at the very end. They're sending him to live with his aunt, but we sense that it's not going to go as planned. That, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago, you hope they have sent them somewhere safe. I'm guessing the answer will be no. That that even even though it's Logan. I, I just sense that this is not the last we've seen of Ray. Yeah, I don't think so either, right? Well, because obviously White is very motivated to, you know, to find him and to get him back, right? As and well we don't see other people in the breeding program, right? Right, and, and we don't know if Ray passed, right? He did, didn't he? he well, I guess he because die. he's alive, right? right. And uh, they said like they they couldn't really help him in the hospital that his immune system kicked in, so. Yeah, so yeah, I guess like he passed, but like he's, you know, he's like, "Am I strong?" You know, for this coming thing, and then we're like, "Well, that's ominous." Yeah, no question. So, well, I think I like this one a little better than you did. Um, I mean, I'd probably give it an A minus, and I'm I'm certain that you're not in the A category. No, I give it a solid B. I think. Okay. Um, it, but- you know, like I said, the good things is they really did. Um, there's some big reveals here. Some, you know, I like how they, you know, like we said before, revealed stuff, but yet, you know, raised more questions as well. But I just thought so much of it was kind of, you know, 
I don't know, just like, like you know, cliche and, and everything that uh, just didn't seem like super original all the time. Yeah. Too many tropes. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? Uh, nope. I don't think so. Okay. Well, if you'd asked me a day ago, I'm not sure I thought we'd get an episode recorded this week with uh, all the snow, but turned out okay. Sun's out, at least for now. And, uh, you know, we want to thank you guys for joining us. We'd love to hear from you about Dark Angel or anything else you think we should be watching. I'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And as we said, we'll be back next week when we return to our roots and discuss Lost Girl Season 5, Episode 9, titled 44 Minutes to Save the World. But until then... Well, you know, Dave, what's out of line is the way this entire operation is being handled. We're understaffed and underfunded.